Tonight, can the public health authorities and the media start telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth when it comes to COVID-19? Yeah, I know, what a concept. It's Thursday, October 14th, 2021. I'm David Menzies and this is the Ezra Levent Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government Five years ago, an iconic game show returned to TV. I speak of To Tell the Truth. The program features three contestants with an unusual distinction or occupation. The thing is, only one of them is the real McCoy. The other two are imposters. It is up to the panelists to figure out who is indeed telling the truth. I was thinking about this particular game show the other day in the context of our public health authorities and those adoring members of the media party vis-a-vis -vis the COVID-19 pandemic. That's because there's been a slew of reports in recent weeks which make it hard to tell if these august sources are telling the truth or merely spewing propaganda to maintain a COVID narrative based on fear and coercion. Case in point, Dr. Dina Henshaw, Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, announced the death of a 14-year-old boy due to COVID. That was a story that was equal parts tragic and incredible. Tragic because a boy had his life so prematurely snuffed out. Incredible because young people are virtually invulnerable when it comes to dying of COVID-19. But then the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth began to unfold. In Henshaw's own words, the victim, quote, had complex pre-existing medical conditions that played a significant role in their death, end quote. Oh, I'll say because it emerged on Twitter yesterday that the boy's sister, Simone Spitzer, had this to say, quote, the 14-year-old in the article is my brother. He died from stage four brain cancer, not from COVID. This is fake news. He was diagnosed in January 2021 and hospitalized in August. Two days before his death, he was tested for COVID and it turned out positive. Please share and comment that this is fake, end quote. For Henshaw to exploit this boy's death as a COVID mortality is grotesque and egregious and well, really beyond the pale. But hey, as long as the fear factor narrative of we're all equally at risk of dying of the coronavirus even if we're not, well, all is fair in love and medical misinformation, I suppose. Now, normally you would expect the media to be all over such a scandal, but the coverage in the past several hours has been extremely muted. When it comes to COVID controversies, the media party's unofficial slogan seems to be nothing to see here, folks. In fact, they are actually complicit in the manufacturing of misinformation and outright fake news. Now, if you think I jest, just check out the CBC report from earlier this month. It apparently shows an individual at an Edmonton hospital in an intensive care unit. The headline of the article screams, it's real, it's dangerous. 
what it's like in an ICU ward. Well, what followed next were healthcare experts weighing in on the ramifications of being hooked up to an ICU. Gracious, it sure looks serious, doesn't it? And yet another grim reminder that hospitals are swamped with COVID patients needing specialized care. It's a war zone. But alas, the likes of Frank McVitie and other sharp-eyed viewers notice something was a little fishy about this patient. Actually, fishy might be the wrong word. You see, at least a fish is real, and that patient is about as real as a $3 bill. It's a mannequin, you see, and that's not a hospital either, but rather a university where students uh, learn using realistic hospital simulations. <laughs> Oopsie. The CBC apologized for this heap and help in a fake news. Well, they sort of apologized because our taxpayer-funded state broadcaster then went on to note that the fake patient in the fake hospital is not evidence that the pandemic is a scam, uh, despite the fact that the CBC used tactics that are kind of, well, you know, scammy. Maybe that's another pandemic we have to contend with these days, lying. I hearken back to a few months ago when Dr. Samantha Hill, president of the Ontario Medical Association, was on Toronto news station CP24. Dr. Hill was admonishing any skeptics out there who aren't all that certain that COVID is the second coming of the bubonic plague. Check out the question Dr. Hill has asked and the answer she provides. So what do you say to those people, Dr. Hill, the ones who don't believe it, or they just say, I'm fed up with this? So to everyone who's fed up with this, I say, I get it, me too. But that doesn't change that that's what we're living in. For the people who are saying they don't believe it, I invite you to take a tour of any of the COVID wards in the hospitals. We are building and have built massive sites outside of hospitals like Sunnybrook to tolerate and to be able to manage some of this overflow. This is not a figment of anyone's imagination. To say that it is, is intensely disrespectful. So there you have it. Dr. Hill invites people to visit any of the COVID wards in the province to discover the truth. Well, I decided to take up the good doctor on her offer and reached out to book a COVID ward tour. Alas, here's what an OMA spokesman had to say, quote, Dr. Hill was speaking personally, saying she wished people could see how very sick patients are on COVID wards and how doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals are working to care for them, end quote. <laughs> yeah, speaking personally during an interview on live TV that was presumably being viewed by tens of thousands of people. Right. Bottom line, enough is enough with the lying, the fake news, and the outrageous exaggerations. If our top health bureaucrats and mainstream media sluggos want to be treated seriously when it comes to the magnitude of COVID, then how about being, you know, open and honest and transparent? I know that is indeed a big ask, but I'm sorry if these people seek credibility, COVID should not be reported on using fraudulent narratives rooted in fear and coercion. This pandemic should not be treated as a real life version of 
to tell the truth. Folks, back in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a memorable advertising campaign for Memorex, which made audio tapes. The tagline was, is it real or is it Memorex? Well, here we are in 2021. And the question is, when it comes to the province of Alberta especially, are we being told the truth or are we being served out heaping helpings of propaganda by the government and government agencies. And to weigh in on this is our good friend at True North, Andrew Lawton. How you doing there, Andrew? Hey, I'm well, David, how about yourself? I'm doing great, I understand it's your birthday, so happy birthday to you. At last, you can now drink legally, I understand. Yes, yes, thank you. And uh, I was hoping you'd sing it while you were uh, wearing your new Halloween mask, but I guess we're a couple of weeks early yet. <laughs> no, Dr. Karen will not uh, allow me to do such a thing. Oh, I yeah, no be... singing. Yeah, 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 no singing allowed at all. You're right. <laughs> but, you know, Andrew, uh, seriously speaking here, um, we are seeing various narratives, and, and many of them are coming out of Alberta uh, pertaining to the COVID-19 pandemic. And when you start to drill down for the truth, to, to sort out what's real and what's fake, wow, there's been some real whoppers coming out of Wild Rose Country. What would you like to talk about first, my friend? Well, I think in general, there's a, an ethos that I, I've kind of adopted now that yesterday's conspiracy theory is today's public policy. Mm. A lot of the things that uh, we've been warning about that we're told, oh, no, you're crazy for suggesting end up becoming the policies advanced by government. Vaccine passports being a notable example of this. A year ago, a year and a half ago, we were saying this is coming and everyone said, oh, no, it's a conspiracy theory. And now even Alberta, which along with Saskatchewan was the last holdout, has gone whole hog into vaccine passports. And I asked Jason Kenney about this at a press conference earlier this week and asked a question that, frankly, I'm surprised, well, maybe not surprised, but that I'm displeased no one in the mainstream media had asked. And it was, what's the off-ramp on this? What is the metric that would happen that you would say makes the vaccine passport so successful that you can get rid of it? And his answer was very candid, there isn't one. There's no off-ramp. There's no phase-out, no sunset clause. This is here until government says it's not. You know, that is disturbing, and we only have to go back to July when it comes to Premier Kenny, Andrew. Uh, he, we actually have film footage of him saying, I swear to God, and making the sign of the, uh, the cross, that uh, they're not going to go back into any kind of lockdowns. And, uh, well, um, the so-called best summer ever uh, kind of ended on a sour note vis-a-vis uh, -vis that promise, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And there was a fair bit of gaslighting that took place around that because when Jason Kenney did announce it, it wasn't called, of course, a vaccine passport. It was a restrictions exemption program. And, you know, you can call it whatever you want. It still is a vaccine passport. You've got to show your paperwork to be admitted anywhere. And another question that I had asked Premier Kenney was about the idea of booster shots becoming the norm. We know in Israel now, if you were fully vaccinated, you had done your part to flatten the 
curve and we're all in this together and hashtag stay home, save lives and get the jab and all of that. The government of Israel basically devaccinated you a couple of weeks ago. At the beginning of this month, they made it so that your green pass that lets you do things like go to a restaurant was only something you could get if you had three doses. And I asked Premier Kenny, is this something that could happen here? And he said, well, we're not there yet. Well, this is not exactly something that's giving me the warm and fuzzies that vaccine passports are not going to become the permanent fixture of society, the new normal, if you will. No, 100%, Andrew. And the other element, I think, to this story, and I'll keep it Alberta-specific here, too, um, we see, I think, the news being ginned up in terms of the fear factor. I talk about that CBC report, which uh, depicted supposedly an Edmonton hospital, uh, an ICU unit with a patient uh, being tended to. Uh, Some eagle-eyed viewers noted Uh, That ain't no patient, that's a mannequin. And that ain't no hospital, Uh, that's an educational facility. And of course, the CBC caught with its pants down, they had to issue an apology, but it was a kind of sort of apology because they said, uh, this isn't to indicate that uh, COVID is a scam. Well, then why did you present a narrative that is kind of, you know, scammy? Yeah, and I mean, it's entirely possible this was just someone that was quickly going through file footage and and put the wrong shot up. But, you know, you also have to look at, in general, the fact that we're trying to be or the media is trying to put everyone in a perpetual state of fear. And the sense that's being held up with Alberta is that Alberta is proof that you can't have your freedom. Alberta opened and then now look where they are. They've got people in ICUs. So so therefore, we can't do it their way. And and that has been really used. It's been shoehorned into this narrative of keeping people permanently locked down and permanently restricted. Oh, no, absolutely. And speaking of being used, Andrew, I think when we look, too, at that 14-year-old boy who passed away in the Alberta Health Authorities were saying, uh, look, uh, COVID casualties are real even when it comes to the youth, which when you look at the statistics are virtually invulnerable uh, to passing away with this disease. And then his sister corrects the record saying, no, this was brain cancer that did in my poor 14-year-old brother. It was not COVID. Andrew, I find this egregious. These are people we look to, to be the august authorities, the trusted uh, professionals. And like I said, they're ginning up the fear factor narrative. Yeah, I mean, I, I joked about this last summer when we were in, I don't know, wave two of 79 or, or whatever it was. <laughs> and I had said something along the lines of, you know, someone is going to be falling from a, you know, a 14th story of a building. And if they cough on their way down, it's a COVID death. And, and that was sort of the joke about how these numbers were calculated. And then here we have numerous stories of this where, where someone died with COVID. So it's as though they died of COVID used to justify a lot of these restrictions. Now, I've never been a, a COVID truther. I've never said it doesn't exist. It's not real. I, I, I've said COVID is real. We need to look at it for what it is. And part of that involves looking at who the vulnerable populations are. And the, the case has always been that those with comorbidities, mainly the elderly, though other people as well, are the ones most susceptible of it. But when we, we are being told in some fora that, no, it's, it's now a pandemic of youth and a pandemic of children, the numbers have never supported that. No, 100%. In fact, I think um, the last I saw the stats, Andrew, we're looking at 
80% of the deaths, seniors uh, with a complicated, uh, with, with a, um, a, a medical condition in long-term care facilities, making up over 80% of the casualties in Canada, which is an astounding stat. Yeah, it is. And and obviously, we need to protect the vulnerable. And I, I think what happened in long-term care homes in Ontario and Quebec, the fact that those casualty counts were as high as they were was absolutely shameful. We focused so much of our effort on locking down everyone, we didn't prioritize where it was most needed. And in the meantime, uh, for the population at large, um, there's almost a kind of medical apartheid setting in, isn't there? I mean, uh, vax passports if you want to go to a sports game, if you want to go to a concert, if you want to go into a dining room. Uh, even worse, if you want to keep your job um, down the road, there'll be further restrictions on planes and trains in this country for those who are unvaxed. I think this is a terrible scenario, uh, Andrew. I, I think we really have a Canada now where we have two-tier citizenship based on your medical status. Oh, 100%. And I, I wrote a column about this just today, as a matter of fact. There, there are two issues. For the vaccinated, it still subjects them to a level of scrutiny and oversight and, frankly, a, a creepiness and hassle when they try to do simple things like going out to a restaurant. And for the unvaccinated, it, it walls off aspects of civil society. And, and I do not support vaccine passports. I support individuals making their own choices of risk aversion. And that means the choice of surrounding themselves with vaccine vaccinated people or not, but but having a choice there, not government imposing it. But one thing I, I would raise is that those who are supporting vaccine passports are not answering what I think is the obvious question here. How long would you support closing off society to people? Was it just for, for three months, for six months, forever? And would you support extending vaccine passports to annual flu shots, to booster shots? No one is looking down the road at what the precedent this sets is going to be. No, uh, well said. And the other thing, Andrew, is I don't like the climate that is happening in terms of the snitching that we see. These are surely what I would call the salad days for the COVID Karens and the Vax rats, as I like to call them. You know, people that see maybe a restaurant not checking the diners for their papers, and then they make that call to bylaw, and then, of course, that restaurateur is hammered with thousands of dollars of fines, or has its liquor license suspended, or is entirely shut down. I think this is an awful kind of scenario that pits one citizen against another, and I don't like it. I, I'm pining for the good old days when we didn't have this kind of uh, Orwellian rubbish to deal with. Yeah, I, I did a thing on my show last week, or it might have been earlier this week about it. The Alberta, or sorry, the Manitoba and Saskatchewan governments have online snitch portals. So you don't even need to pick up your phone. You can do it from the, the comfort of your own uh, phone or your own uh, computer, if that's more convenient for you. And if you look at them, it, it isn't just, you know, going after the heavy hitters. Oh, yeah, there was this illegal 10,000 person gathering. You can report an individual for not wearing a mask somewhere. This, this is you can <laughs> go online and i learned this because i was reporting you david sorry and uh, you can go on there and, and you know check are you reporting it there's a little menu of are you going after a business or a person you can click a person and then what reason is it well uh, okay yeah not wearing a mask and then you describe the when and the where and and this is what we're at now where permanent snitch culture 
permanent snitch culture over the pandemic is what we've welcomed in. Oh my goodness, Andrew, we are living in the craziest time ever. My only question yeah, don't is- Don't answer, are, by the way, David, don't answer any calls for any block numbers or Winnipeg area codes for the next couple no, of weeks. No, I, I always assume those are the police calling me. I don't answer those calls, Andrew. But like I said, I think we are living in the craziest times ever. The only question I have, are we at peak crazy? Every time I ponder that question, something more outrageous happens that makes the news. Parting question, Andrew, when or oh when do you think we're going to get back to a sense of normalcy or is this going to go on for years? Well, I mean, the, the depressing part of all of this is, is that Canadians have so willingly handed over their civil liberties. Canadians have subord subordinated their own will, their own autonomy to the state without issue. I mean, the state didn't even need to ask nicely. They just said, okay, hand over your freedom, and, and people complied. And, and it's difficult to get that necessary pushback from people that is required to start rolling back some of these measures if, if people have, are willingly going along with them. So I, I don't have a, a hopeful message to give you to that question. You know, that, that, that's depressing. One last thing I should say, too, Andrew. I mean, we just uh, last month had a federal election. I didn't see any kind of viable opposition, at least from the conservative side, against all these mandates, against the vaccine passports, against no jabs, no jobs. I think that might have been one of the factor why uh, Aaron O'Toole did so poorly, although he claims it a victory simply for <laughs> holding Justin Trudeau to another uh, minority government. What do you make of the opposition in terms of uh, uh, politics in this uh, country to these kind of mandates we're getting from various governments from coast to coast? Well, I mean, I can't comment on something that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well played, my friend. Well, Andrew, um, uh, what can I say? Um, we will continue to uh, monitor these outrageous events. Like I said, it's crazy. Are we at peak crazy? I would say no. I, 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 I shudder to think of uh, the things that are coming down the pike in the weeks and months ahead. But thank you again for at least uh, being one of the voices of reason out there. Uh, you are much needed, my friend. Well, I do my best. Thanks very much, David. Okay, then. And happy birthday again to you. And that was Andrew Lawton of True North in London, Ontario. Keep it here, folks. More of the Ezra Levant Show to come right after this. You had plenty to say about Ezra's monologue yesterday about the outrageous sentencing of Arter Pawlowski in Alberta. Alberta Fairbrass writes, silencing the innocent to protect the guilty. Yeah, this is really Bush League stuff, isn't it? The fact that this judge has ordered Pastor Arter to give equal coverage of the government narrative whenever he opens his mouth in the public square or on social media unbelievable. Citizen X writes, they didn't silence Pastor Archer today. They only convinced the rest of us that he is right. Oh, 100%. If the judge was hoping not to further the martyrdom of Archer Pawlowski, well, I'm afraid he did the precise opposite. 
And St. Matthew writes, Judge Adam Germain, I will never call him a justice. This idiot of a judge has totally destroyed my trust in the judging profession and the trust of many other citizens. He is a total disgrace to the legal profession. Well, St. Matthew, I truly think that Justice Germain regrets uh, that sentence. First of all, does he plan on enforcing it? And if so, how is he gonna enforce it? And that's all a moot point really, because, oh yeah, you gotta bet this is gonna be appealed. Well, folks, thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Ezra will be back tomorrow. And in the meantime, we'll leave you tonight with this video from Alexa Lavoie covering protests in Montreal, Quebec. Écoutez, euh, déjà, le système de la santé il est complètement désuet. Il, il roule déjà sur une route de secours. Fait que moi, je me suis dit que si euh, il y avait vraiment 17 000 personnes qui perdent leur emploi euh, le 15, euh, c'est sûr que c'est plus une route de secours qui va perdre, va perdre trois roues, votre voiture, puis ça avancera plus pas en tout. Puis là, ce qui va arriver, c'est quoi? Ça va être des pertes d'emploi. Euh, manque de salaire, ça veut dire que les familles, c'est quoi qui va arriver? Plus capable de nourrir leur famille, plus, plus capable de nourrir leurs enfants. Ça l'amène quoi tout ça souvent? Une dépression parce que les gens, ils savent plus quoi faire. Ils sont, ça, ça, ça peut virer en maladie mentale et tout, ça va très très loin ces histoires-là. Fait qu'il faut juste se tenir debout. À partir du 15, ben tout le monde, tout le monde, tout le monde au Québec, faut juste se mobiliser partout pour le 15. Il y en a partout des mobilisations au Québec. Fait qu'il faut juste se soutenir, être unis, c'est super important. So Alexa for Ruben News, I'm in Montreal because a protest just started. As you can see, thousands of people are in the street protesting against the mandatory vaccine that should be started on the 15th of October. So for them that have not taken the vaccine yet, they have just a couple of days left before they lose their job. Can you understand how this system will collapse if thousands and thousands of people will lose their job. So we will ask people here what they think about the fact that people are banned from taking plane, train and cruise ship. And as well, I'm interested to know what they think that will happen on the 15th of October and if they had lose their job. Let's see. En fait, je m'intéressais à savoir qu'est-ce que les gens pensaient des manifestants aujourd'hui qui manifestent contre les mesures sanitaires. Oui, ben, je crois que les gens ont le droit de manifester, mais en ce qui a trait aux mesures sanitaires, moi, je suis pour. Euh, ça peut sauver des vies. Um, so here, I think they're protesting because um, they have to have the vaccine in order to stay employed or they'll get fired. It's bad, like maybe someone's the breadwinner. So it's sad that if someone has to lose their job just because they don't have the vaccine, right? So it's just heartbreaking. What do you think about the fact that at the end of November, an unvaccinated will be banned to take flight? boat crews and train. What do you think about that? I think it uh, violates the, the, our rights and it violates the law. Uh, the, the law, the immunization laws in Canada is that it cannot be made mandatory because it violates the Canadian Charter. And I think it's uh, discriminatory and it's causing segregation. So, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's something we shouldn't be tolerating. It's something we need to absolutely be opposed whether we're vaccinated or not. You know, it doesn't matter what your opinion is on that subject. The pass and the, uh, you know, the, vast, the, the vax pass 
and everything to travel to to go to restaurants for anything is absolutely uh, um, immoral. It's immoral, and we can't we can't tolerate it because and it violates all our rights. And once our rights are gone, we're subject to legalized tyranny. So we have to stand on our rights while we still have them. You know, freedom is not free. We have to stand for it. And if we don't stand on them while we have them, then we have to fight. And you know, right now is a peaceful battlefield. We need to win it here. Uh, donc les gens qui vont avoir eu euh, qui vont avoir eu adéquatement leurs deux doses euh, vont avoir le, le droit. Mais on sait que la journée qu'ils vont annoncer une troisième dose et une quatrième, ces gens-là n'auront pas plus le, plus le droit. Et de ce que je sais, c'est qu'il y a beaucoup de gens qui ont présentement deux doses qui refusent d'obtenir la troisième, qui ne veulent pas aller vers la troisième. Donc, est-ce que ça va mettre assez de pression sur les compagnies aériennes pour demander au gouvernement d'assouplir ses règles? Je ne sais pas. Mais il faut continuer à se plaindre. Il faut continuer à appeler euh, les transporteurs. Il faut continuer à se mobiliser pour dire que ça suffit. Ça n'a aucun bon sens. Euh, le fait d'écouter le gouvernement ne, veut, ne signifie en rien qu'on n'est pas porteur du virus. Ne signifie pas que nous ne l'avons pas. Ça ne signifie pas qu'on ne peut pas le transmettre. Euh, la seule chose qui peut rassurer les gens présents c'est avoir un test euh, qui dit qu'on ne l'aurait pas. Et puis pourtant, euh, ce n'est pas leur solution à eux. Parce Donc, que là, dans le fond, ce que ça dit, c'est de la dictature. On, encore, on divise les gens encore plus. Puis là, bien, rendu là, ben, moi, je suis totalement en désaccord parce qu'on crée une prison dans, dans, dans ta maison. Là, on est au Canada, là, au Québec. On ne peut plus prendre le train, on ne peut plus prendre l'avion, on ne peut plus prendre le bateau. Pourquoi? Parce que je ne suis pas vacciné. Mais pourquoi qu'on le fait en ce moment? Pourquoi qu'on ne coupe pas ça là? Pourquoi qu'on attend un mois? C'est une question de santé publique, de sécurité, de santé publique. Euh... Si on va dans un avion, puis il y a des gens qui ne sont pas vaccinés, puis on respire cette air-là, on se met à risque. Je veux dire, c'est leur choix de ne pas se faire vacciner, mais c'est notre choix de ne pas se mettre à risque non plus. Si euh, eux, ils prennent la chance d'attraper de, 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 de la COVID et de mourir, c'est leur choix, mais ils n'ont pas euh, à, à, à nous mettre, nous, en danger. C'est notre choix de vouloir vivre aussi. Qu'est-ce que vous pensez que ça va se passer le 15 octobre, quand une Well, it's going to really struggle because there's a lot of people who are, are willing to lose their job, willing to stand up for, for what they believe in, uh, for their health, you know, for their rights. And we're, I think a lot of people are also going to be pre prepared to litigate against against the people who are dismissing them because it's, it violates their rights. And uh, so, you know, I think there's going, to, there's going to be a big backlash after that. There's going to be a big lag in the system because of all the people who are going to be let go uh, illegally. It's going to be bad. A lot of people are going to be frustrated, angry, um, because they, everyone has their own reasons not to get the vaccine, right? So it's, it's going to be bad. Like, a lot of people are going to be upset, definitely. Bien, il va y avoir bris de service et puis euh, ça veut dire qu'il va y avoir des morts possiblement et des blessés causés par un seul homme, par un seul homme au Québec qui s'appelle François Legault et qui a décidé avec cette règle-là d'être euh, immuable et qu'il va falloir que sa conscience, il va falloir qu'il supporte ses morts, ses décès et ses blessés en raison du manque de service, en raison du bris de service parce que c'est pas beau ce qui s'en vient. Et c'est pas... c'est à lui à supporter ça. Euh, Qu'est-ce que je pense qui va arriver? J'espère qu'il y aura des soulèvements de la population pour être solidaire avec les gens qui perdent leur emploi cette journée-là. Là. Puis de toute façon, ce n'est qu'un début. Là. Je pense qu'ils vont s'attaquer à tous les secteurs euh, un par un. Donc, ça concerne tous les gens. Euh, 
le système, je pense que euh, ça ne va pas aller bien parce que présentement, il ne va pas bien. Mais euh, ça va s'empirer. D'après moi, euh, qu'est-ce que le gouvernement fait C'est la coercition. Il essaye de patcher les choses, mais long terme, je ne sais pas si ça va tenir parce que le monde il commence déjà à craquer. Ils ne savent pas dans qu'est-ce qui embarque. Il promet beaucoup de le gouvernement promet beaucoup d'argent, des primes, essaie de rattraper le monde. Mais euh, long terme, c'est très, très, très fatigant. Présentement, on est déjà dans le temps supplémentaire obligatoire. On résiste une semaine, deux mois, mais long terme, je ne sais pas. Il va tomber, le système va tomber, c'est officiel. Là, on n'y arrivait pas présentement. Je ne vois pas comment est-ce qu'ils vont s'en sortir ensuite. C'est impossible. Je suis préposée aux bénéficiaires en CHSLD public. Au 6 de la Naudière, on est 1500 employés à ne pas être vaccinés. C'est 30 du personnel. On sait que quand il manque une préposée, on ne la remplace pas. Quand il manque une infirmière, c'est l'autre qui fait un TSO. Qu'est-ce que vous pensez que ça va faire quand on va retirer 1500 employés d'une shot le 15? Ça va s'effondrer. On est déjà sur le plan de contingence. Là. Les choses qui restent à couper, c'est sauter les repas, sauter les couchers puis les laisser dans leurs culottes souillées. C'est là qu'on est rendu. C'est ça qu'ils veulent qu'on coupe. Ça n'a pas de bon sens. Ben, c'est la liberté de choix. Ils choisissent de ne pas se faire vacciner. Il y a les conséquences parce qu'ils mettent la vie des autres en danger également en ne se faisant pas vacciner. Qui plus est, dans les hôpitaux, tous les cas de COVID qui sont dans les urgences, c'est des cas de gens qui ne sont pas vaccinés, qui prennent la place de gens qui auraient besoin de chirurgie et qui vont mourir chez eux en attendant parce qu'il n'y a pas de place. Donc, on va licencier une bonne partie des infirmières et du système de santé à cause d'une vaccination obligatoire. Est-ce que vous trouvez que c'est un petit peu extrême comme mesure? Non, pas du tout, parce que les gens qui travaillent dans le domaine de la santé sont là pour soigner les gens. S'ils ne sont pas vaccinés et qu'ils sont euh, positifs et, et qu'ils ne savent pas et qu'ils traitent les patients, ils peuvent donner la COVID aux patients. Donc, euh, c'est leur responsabilité. La santé des gens, s'ils ne veulent pas travailler dans le domaine de la santé, euh, s'ils veulent travailler dans le domaine de la santé, pardon, il faut qu'ils soient en mesure de pouvoir protéger leurs patients. Selon les études, les vaccinés et les non-vaccinés propagent autant. Est-ce que vous trouvez qu'il y a une illogique euh, dans tout ça? Non, je ne crois pas, parce que comme, comme euh, ce qu'on entend, c'est que les gens qui sont euh, aux soins intensifs, euh, euh, suite avec, euh, qui sont en prise avec la COVID, ce sont des gens qui ne sont pas vaccinés. Donc, euh, gros bon sens. Tu ne veux pas attraper la, la COVID, fais-toi vacciner. Puis si tu travailles dans le domaine de la santé, tu ne fais pas vacciner, tu mets les patients à risque. Alors, c'est leur choix, le, les droits et libertés, je comprends ça, mais c'est le choix des patients aussi d'être d'être euh, en sécurité quand ils vont à l'hôpital pour se faire soigner. Street, what do you think it will happen this winter? Well, it's true. We've seen every winter, um, they clamp down harder. It's like a, a, a constrictor snake, right? They release in the summer a little bit, only to retighten even firmer. And I think people uh, have already uh, had enough. We're already fed up. And I think uh, we're going to be pushing back this time. Because... The people who make the rule, you know, it's not what puts it into action. It's when we obey it. It's when we follow it that it goes into action and when the harm is actually done. So it's on us. We have the moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws and immoral laws that violate everything we stand for. I think we'll have the right to encore des restrictions euh, dans tout ce qu'on a de droits et 
liberté parce que le, le gouvernement euh, gère euh, politiquement une crise sanitaire. Alors, il euh, n'y a rien, rien, rien de scientifique dans ces mesures. Il n'y a rien qui est du côté médical. Mais comme ils n'auront plus la capacité de servir les gens au niveau médical, ils vont encore une fois nous restreindre dans nos droits et libertés. Et ça n'a rien à voir avec la pandémie. Là. Ça n'a rien à voir avec le nombre de personnes qui ont besoin de soins en raison de la COVID. Il faut le rappeler aux gens. C'est un bris de service occasionné par des décisions politiques. Moi, je dis premièrement que depuis un an et demi, ils rajoutent des restrictions à chaque jour. Faites juste vous imaginer deux secondes euh, si le jour 1 de la pandémie, qu'on était tous normal, que là, le jour 2 de la pandémie, il aurait mis toutes les mesures qui sont présentement. Qu'est-ce que vous aurez fait? D'après moi, guerre civile, les gens s'en vont dans la rue, puis d'après moi, garage toutes des roches. Fait que là, imaginez-moi, je pense que cet hiver, ils vont avoir des nouvelles mesures. Euh, Est-ce qu'il va y avoir un nouveau confinement? Je suis pas certain, mais je ne mettrai pas ma maison euh, là-dessus. Euh, puis, écoutez, les, les restrictions, il y en a depuis toujours. Fait que le go, puis ça, ça gagne. D'après moi, ils vont en mettre plusieurs encore. Euh, puis, euh, c'est ça. Je pense que ça va être encore plus mis en, évi en évidence la ségrégation. Euh, les personnes qui sont vaccinées ou doublement vaccinées ou triplement vaccinées, ils vont faire leurs affaires. Et les autres, euh, malgré qu'on fonctionne comme les personnes vaccinées, on n'aura pas d'emploi, euh, on ne peut pas sortir. Euh, il y a d'autres pays déjà qui euh, ils ont donné des consignes, par exemple la Roumanie, qu'ils ont un curfew, un couvre-feu à partir de 20h jusqu'à 5h le matin, pour les, juste pour les non-vaccinés. C'est clair, c'est clair que les mesures vont revenir. C'est sûr qu'ils vont tout arrêter encore une fois. Tout... On va vivre les couvre-feux, tout est prévu d'avance. Ce n'est pas les non-vaccinés qui... Il n'y a pas de pandémie. C'est une pandémie de cas. Il n'y a pas de décès. On est en sous-mortalité. Si le monde va voir les chiffres de l'INSPQ, on est en sous-mortalité comparativement aux autres années. Là, les gastro ne sont pas encore arrivés. Là, les gastro, les... la H1N1 habituellement, qui n'est pas là maintenant, c'est juste le COVID. Mais tout ça va arriver parce qu'on sait que présentement, le monde est quand même bien. Mais quand on va arriver dans le temps des fêtes, là, ça va être des personnes en isolement. Il y aura assez de personnel. On va voir des décès. On va voir ce qu'on a vu là, dernièrement. Des, des morts par déshydratation, des morts de faim, des, des chutes parce qu'il n'y aura pas personne pour les surveiller. C'est l'apocalypse qui va arriver. Là. Moi, je dirais aux gens, sortez vos parents de là, sortez-les des résidences de personnes âgées. Ils vont mourir. Ramenez-les à la maison. I think uh, the hospitals will be um, having a lot of cases, per se, um, because uh, of um, just in case people are not getting vaccines, then they will be more prone to getting infected. So this winter, maybe there will be um, a raise in the cases with COVID-19. And yeah, it's it just doesn't look good. But do you think that everybody should have the vaccine? Tough question. Um, no, I think it should be their own decision. You know, everyone has the right to choose uh, whether they want to get vaccinated or not. Because at the end of the day, they have their own reasons, right? So, no, no. Et vous, le 15, est-ce que vous allez perdre votre emploi? J'ai déjà perdu mon emploi, moi. 
Euh, parce que j'ai tenu mes convictions, j'ai vécu de la discrimination, j'ai perdu mon emploi, je suis entraîneur personnel. Euh, puis euh, mon patron m'a mis dehors. I've already, I'm already not employed because I'm not willing to, to, to wear a mask, which from my own better judgment and research is harmful to my health and has no effect on, on reducing the spread of viruses of any sort. So. Moi, je suis ici, c'est pour supporter les autres. Je ne suis pas concerné personnellement par les mesures qui rentrent en vigueur le 15 octobre, mais je ne peux pas concevoir qu'une société euh, éduquée, scolarisée, une, 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 une société qui est capable de réfléchir en arrive à prendre de telles décisions et à ne pas foutre ce gouvernement-là dehors. Je ne peux, peux pas concevoir qu'on soit si attendri que ça. Euh, moi, ça a déjà été fait. Mon employeur m'a exigé la vaccination et puis euh, moi, j'accepte pas ça. Donc, euh, je n'ai pas accepté de rester à cet emploi-là. Donc, euh, moi, euh, aussitôt que qui a dit euh, aux employeurs, vous avez le droit de le faire, mon employeur a décidé de le faire. Et moi, jamais je vais accepter ça. Le 15 octobre, oui. Euh, ça va pas être trop funny, mais on va s'adapter, on va trouver d'autres moyens pour survivre. Oui, moi, je perds mon emploi le 15 octobre. J'ai travaillé 18 mois, là. 18 mois, j'ai jamais testé positif. J'ai été testé comme au moins 50 fois. Au début, ils ont mis nos masques sous clé. On n'avait même pas droit au masque. Ils nous ont enlevé les vacances. Ils m'ont appelé au jour de l'heure chez nous. Ils me Martine, tu rentres lundi, fini tes vacances. » Puis maintenant, je suis plus bonne à rien. J'ai vraiment de la peine. J'ai le cœur brisé. Ma job, je l'ai tatoué sur le cœur. Mes patients, c'est toute ma vie. Si je sors du système, là, je vais faire de, du reste de ma vie un combat pour eux, c'est sûr et certain. Je ne les laisserai pas tomber. Qu'est-ce que vous pensez de ça, que vous étiez des anges au début de la pandémie et que maintenant vous êtes rendus des démons? Qu'est-ce que vous pensez de ça? Euh, je pense pas que c'est faire. On a travaillé dans des conditions, comment travailler, pas de masque, euh, pas d'équipement au début. Et euh, on s'est débrouillé, on a survécu, on prenait soin de nos patients comme d'habitude et présentement on est plus bon. C'est triste. fightvaccinepassport.com It's our newest project to find a strategic plaintiff to constitutionally challenge vaccine passport. We are working in partnership with the Democracy Fund, so your gift will be tax deductible. If you want to help us and you want to sign our petition, go to novaxpassport.com and please, if you can, chip in as well.